0: welcome everybody I'm Jim Barton
1: and I'm Reverend Abigail Conley
0: and welcome to another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch Um, today we're going to talk about um, current events and the current event we're going to talk about is Hurricane Harvey Um, specifically we're going to talk about this old idea all right thank you Um, we're going to talk about this old idea that if you um, break uh, the laws that there will be consequences and sometimes weather consequences for them. Um, Obviously, if you listen to the podcast, you know that Abby and I are not big on the God punishes people by sending thunderbolts from the sky, but nonetheless, we're going to explore is there a way that we can understand our current world environment that uses that concept to some degree. So first, let's talk about the laws that we feel like that maybe modern society has violated. One is, I think in Genesis, it's clear that we have a responsibility to care for the environment. We have the God's creation, right? And I feel like, if you look at how much we've spread out over the world, I mean, the planet Earth is infested with this one particular type of ape that's like on every single square inch of the planet. If you look at our carbon emissions, I think we have not done a good job of um, caring for the Earth. So I think that's one law, and I'm kind of, I was going to do laws and then and then breaking it, by. I broke the rule, but that's one law that I think we haven't broken. Um, Abby, you want to talk about sort of the crop rotation and sort of the other ideas about how to care for the land?
1: So yeah, in, you know, the parts of the Bible that we skip over in the Torah, especially um, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, there are all these rules about farming, and so this is where you get, you can't plant these seeds together, and you can't do this. But one of them is you let the land lie fallow. And you also then grow another crop where that crop was and you go over to this other field. And what that does is in people who didn't understand soil nutrients or anything, this still protects the land and keeps it fertile so that you can continue to live and farm in the same places. And now, you know, we use lots of chemicals to put that back in. We still do crop rotation to some extent. But not at the level that they did it, um, and not at the frequency that they did it overall. Because it's kind of every few, every season you do this thing a little bit differently. There's
0: like a consciousness about how, to as civilization, if you will, was forming, there was a consciousness about how you grew the civilization, mm-hmm. right? How you know? So we're going to farm in this way, yeah. and we're going to rotate crops in that way. And this is and and that consciousness it may be missing in what we've done in some of our urban planning. Right. And the last component is a sort of caring a requirement to care for the poor. Because what we see in scripture throughout is accommodations made for the poor and taking care of the poor and the widow and the orphan and saying that listen, if they if they're gonna sacrifice yeah they still do a sacrifice, but they can use a they can use a, a, a dove instead of a instead of a goat or they can use a whatever. And 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 that's something else that I think is missing from our current, our current way we live as a society. So I already mentioned one way that it seems to be there could be consequences for it, which is the idea that by failing to care for the world, we've increased the frequency of these historic weather events Mm -hmm. um, due to human-caused global warming. Which, unfortunately, there are some in the religious world who want to somehow deny that and see that that's some sort of an affront to spirituality when I think the reality of global warming is before us and it's in fact a very reasonable consequence of failing to care for the environment, right? Um, you want to talk a little bit about the wetlands and how that sort of relates to our second idea?
1: Yeah, so one of the things that has happened is as we've chosen to develop places, and sometimes we've chosen to, you know, kind of go around the natural formation, sometimes we've chosen to go places and it. Yeah, and one of the things we're seeing with these coastal cities flooding is we did this in spite of it so wetlands have an ability to absorb flood water to absorb lots of water when you develop them you cut how much they can because you destroy the wetland itself so as we see more rain we're also seeing less ability of the land to actually absorb that rain
0: and as you know as people are thinking well these guys are just being their ultra-liberal selves and talking about global warming. But I think it's interesting to say this is actually a totally different, unrelated to global warming, right. another example of sort of almost like an arrogance towards the land, like you're saying. Right. Like we can just go wherever we want. Um, I understand that there are parts of Houston that were built in a way to try and accommodate the, this kind of disaster happening, mm-hmm. but the growth was so fast right. that they weren't able to sort of keep up with it.
1: Right. And it's worth noting that you and I are recording this in a city that shouldn't be here. Right. Like, we, you know, Phoenix is a huge drain on the river of the west, or the water of the west. Yes. To get water to this giant city in the middle of a desert takes a lot. You know, our electric bills spike in the summer, not just because we're using so much more, but because the electric company has to raise prices because we're using so much more electric to cool our homes and start right. in the summer so it's the not... Gulf,
0: yeah, yeah, that's right, the, I mean the uh, we don't have as much, the Colorado River doesn't get to the Gulf of Mexico really, I mean right. uh, to the Sea of Cortez as much right. because we pull so much water. Off.
1: Right, and aquifers are dropping and all of those sorts of things so let's be clear that this issue of arrogance, just of what we want to build here, so let's go for it, it's not limited to Coastal towns or wetlands.
0: Right. Las Vegas dwellers. and Phoenix are certainly right in the crosshairs of that. Right. And then, what do we mean about the poor? How are the poor? How is it? How is um things like these major weather events? Uh, how does it illustrate us not taking care of the poor?
1: So, what we already know from people who are talking about climate change is it disproportionately affects the poor. One of the reasons why is these cataclysmic weather events are becoming more and more common. So right now, we're talking about Hurricane Harvey here. The um, In India, Nepal, Bangladesh, they had a record-setting monsoon season. 1,200 people have died so far in flooding there, who um, are definitely among the global poor.
0: Yeah.
1: And, we, I think, and, and that's important to
0: me because, you know, we saw in yeah. Katrina... A disaster where part of the disaster was there wasn't a sufficient evacuation plan for the poor and we saw these horrible just amazingly terrible things happen we haven't seen that out of Harvey yet hopefully we won't see that from Harvey that level of awfulness but we're Christians this is a podcast about how to be Christian not how to be American and so when 1,200 people die from flooding that's an example of the poor not being cared for. right
1: and you know Climate change is already affecting what crops can be grown where, especially in places that are reliant upon traditional farming methods. When food prices go up, it disproportionately affects the poor. Not just in the poor countries, but here in the U.S. Um, When water becomes more scarce, it disproportionately affects poor people, not you and me who turn on our faucet and water comes out. And so over and over again, we see that kind of disproportionate effect of the people least able to weather that effect. In the same way that, um, you know, say Hurricane Harvey had an amazing evacuation plan, guess what it is hardest for people who are poor to evacuate if we had to evacuate you and I would get in our cars, fight traffic, pay the ridiculous amounts for gas on our credit card and stay in whatever motel we could find if we couldn't get to a friend's house.
0: So we've taken this idea of of, um, a wrathful God and said well maybe it's not a conscious I'm going to put things on a scale and send down a thunderbolt right? But maybe it is the idea that there are consequences for our actions, and that the early people of faith saw that we have a special obligation, and we're now reaping the consequences of our actions, right? If we take this metaphor to the next step, what does the Bible teach us that we're supposed to do?
1: So this is where we use a word that liberals don't use often, which is repentance. And we literally turn from what we've been doing to find another way. Um, And, you know, it's kind of turning the Titanic at this point, because you're talking about a system built on carbon, um, on oil-based fuels, a system built on privileged rich people. So we're literally saying, what can we do to turn this around? How do we repent of this? Because guess what? We are totally breaking the world in very different ways than any of our brothers and sisters on the right would say we are. And what's
0: really scary is you read Jeremiah and Isaiah, particularly in you know in Isaiah, and you, and you see an idea that at some point you're past the point of redemption. Mm-hmm. But the only choice is cataclysm. But there is no place else that you. The only way to bring things back into order is through cataclysm. And I hope that's not where we are. But it's troubling and scary to see to think about it because at some point we will get there where there is no turning back, and maybe, and maybe we're there already. All right, well, we'll end on that um, cheery note, I think. Um, but I do think it's a, it's a sobering topic, and I think it requires um, sort of serious, uh, serious attention. So um, until next time, cheers.